What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Monday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin O'Sphere, Kevin How are you doing today, man? What's up? I'm great. We are headed into week four of the NBA season, and we are going to take account of some of the things that have taken place so far this year, uh, with some stock up, stock down regarding some teams and some players. All right, I'm going to give you the choice. You want to start with stock up or stock down? Hmm. Let's let's begin with stock down. Stock down. All yeah, right. Give me, the, give me the bad news first. All right. The Clippers. So uh... they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. When we last saw them play, who were one and eight coming into that game. And I obviously Clippers. I watched this from buzzer to buzzer. And in the fourth quarter, I tweeted out the prayer emoji and said, Ty Lu, please put James Harden back <laughs> in the game. Uh in four games, since James Harden has been a clipper. In 67 minutes that he has not been on the floor, they have won by 24 points. In the 125 minutes that he has been on the floor, they have lost by 67 points. Man, isn't that something? They are, 
they are atrocious to watch. <laughs> look, I was there. It's watching Chris, that it's game. Ugly. I, 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 look, ugly. I'm watching through the prism of watching the team that I cover, which was one and eight, and they made them look like <laughs> you got Jacob Gilliard uh, starting in the lineup. A <laughs> uh, 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 together, <laughs> cohesive. <laughs> Uh, you know, fired up team. And I, I mean, it started at the beginning of the game. Harden just pounding the ball into the ground, taking miserable shots. And I'm like, how is this even possible? Remember when he like touched his, his bottom of his shoes and took oh. the three air ball? He gets it back and gets blocked by Biombo. What <laughs> the crazy. hell, man? They're terrible. Uh, they're terrible, and I really don't know how they're going to figure it out in the absence of, uh, like, they can't play all four of them, and I've got to think they're watching it and going, like, man, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to figure this out unless we, like, turn this over to him. Like, how are we going to get the most out of him. Now, his usage rate is not crazy high, but John Schumann had some really good stats uh, in the article that he put out. And interestingly enough, the usage rate, which is, is, is for, those, for that team uh, and its players, it, it, when they were uh, announcing that they were going to bring James Harden, Ty Lue was pretty insistent that, like, hey, this team's still runs through Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is our best player. And the stats that Schumann had were that his usage is the one that has dropped. Mm -hmm. That it was at 28, and now it's at 22. And the craziest stat was, and this is like when we talk about how you need to have stars and you need to have role players. Like, who are the guys that do all the other stuff? Before Harden got there, there were Almost 14 ball screens a game for Kawhi Leonard. Since Harden has been in that lineup, that's gone down to 6.8. Wow. Isn't that something else? I mean, it's literally taking a role player that whose job is to... Having it. Yes. Half now. It's the type of thing where, and we're seeing like all those guys. Paul George has talked about how uh, he had the quote last week where he's talking about, well, I felt like I would need to be a role player. I'm out of rhythm. Uh, you got Kawhi talking about needing to figure out roles where he says all of training camp, we had these established roles, and now you got to figure it out on the fly. A lot changes here, and, and the guy that they get just isn't producing at all. Like Harden, Harden, I mean, look, you know, like I said, I say this all the time. I've always been the Harden guy on this podcast. That's obvious. Anybody who's listened to us over the years. But he looks like he doesn't have the same level of burst right now off the dribble, even less so than last year. Not getting to the rim as much. He's clearly not able to create as much space defensively. He looks like even more of a liability. And he's just changing the way that offense plays because he's still playing the way that he typically always has. He's, you know, touching the ball a little bit less often. He's taking a, a couple more spot-up threes, but he's still ball-stopping. He's still, you know, pounding the air out of the ball. And it's just not working the same way that it used to anymore. So I think with these guys, like Russ, the offense ran better. Um, but it's not like Russ is necessarily the answer. That's why they went out and got hard. And I just, I, I think they're in a situation right now where it, even though it's early and you got to give them a chance and give them time, 
doesn't it feel like that these early signs may be some problems that aren't solvable? Like, what, yes. who's, to say that, who's to say that Harden just hasn't continued to decline physically even more than he did the last two, three years? Well, and look, uh, Russ was taking on, and we lauded him at the very beginning of the season when we watched him. It's like, hey, man, this guy's like kind of taking on more of the the role. You, you've got the the two stars. Those guys are the usage guys. Those guys were getting better shots than they had gotten at any time in their Clipper careers, both Paul and Kawhi. And a large part of that was Russ taking that severe backseat. Usage rate plummeted. This is a guy that was in the 30s at one point in his life, but was mm-hmm. down to like 17 or something. He knew that that was his role. It's funny, you brought up like, say, Jacob Gilliard, who was the starting point guard for <laughs> Memphis in that game they won. Again, if you watch the team, though, it's like, Jacob Gilliard's job is to get the ball to Desmond Bain and to get the ball to Jaron Jackson, and he knows that. He's a setup man. Everybody knows their role. Bismarck Biombo's job is to go grab rebounds and block shots and set screens and clear out the big guy for Jaron Jackson or for Desmond Bain. Or like There is a pecking order with the team, and then those other guys are there to serve the best players. And what I'm saying is Russ at least was getting to the point where he like he understood, all right, my job is to serve the best players. I'm not the best player on this team. Those two guys are. And so I'm going to try to make it easy for them. And that's the job of a role player. And in the absence of role players, like it makes it that much more difficult for everybody because nobody is doing that stuff and that's why I highlighted the screens. That's just setting screens. Who is going to set a screen? It, it, Zoo bots and then the what? The, the It ends? Like Plumlee's well, I mean, out well, now Plum, for Plum goodness sake. So, so they get like P.J. Tucker and Diabate for, you know, 20 minutes a game combined. And, but like Zubats, Zubats, I'm curious about your thoughts on him. Like we're focusing on Kawhi, George, Hard, and Russ. Zubats has this back injury. He looks completely limited compared to recent years as well. I mean, I felt like in that game yesterday, Biombo looked like the better five. Yes. And that's saying a lot considering Biombo just got signed out, out of free agency and Zubats has been the Clippers starting center for, for years now. Zubats just has not been the guy for them anymore. And the issue for the Clippers is we have all, like, all of these issues. The issues with the stars needing to you know fill into a role on certain nights, figuring out roles, figuring out the rotation, a lack of depth now after trading away everybody that they did, Ty Lue needing to figure out rotation, Zubat's injury, and then there's the lack of assets. They don't have anything mm-hmm. to upgrade this team from what it is today. And, and that's the scary part here for the Clippers. Like, if Zubat doesn't get healthy and Plumlee's already hurt and Plumlee is, he's Plumlee, he's nothing special – Where's your answer at the five? Like, how do you solve some of these big, long, versatile teams? I, I, I just think the Clippers, it's very possible. Um, this is actually not just the beginning and it gets better from here, but it's actually just the beginning of the end. And honestly, like, after watching it, I, what, I, what I would do is because I know, and, and the numbers are still good with Harden off the court. Ty Lue and everybody has said, oh, well, he's going to move Westbrook to the bench. That's how this is going to work. Maybe Westbrook won't even be on the team, whatever. Like, I'm telling you, watching that game yesterday, I was praying for that substitution. For that, <laughs> and, and, and that's what worries me about uh-huh. the Ty Lue 
and and how he's going to navigate this. Because to me, the answer is put Terrence Mann back in, get you a, a role player out there with Zubac or whatever you want to do. And hard it off the bench. And, yes, that, and just do. let him run his – just let him be James Harden. Yeah, but the issue out. is – but who's he's gonna who's gonna be his running mates? If you have Harden out there, Bones he Island doesn't want a been, running mate. I, I know, but like Bones Highland has already been benched. If it's Highland and Powell, you're small. Do you have enough defense off the bench? There's a lot of issues if you have Harden coming off the bench. Again, there's a lot of issues. There's issues if you have Russ coming off the bench. There's but you're playing second way. units at least is what I'm saying. You're I, playing I, against this, second units. This all comes back to the adaptation about James Harden. He has answered the questions about it after every single game. Clippers beat has done a really good job asking him questions about changing his game and evolving. The quotes last week and this week about the spot-up threes where he catches the ball and doesn't just shoot cleanly off the catch. He's shooting two per game. He should be shooting four or five or six catch and shoot threes per game. He's a 40% guy over his entire career. He's been a 40% guy even as the shots have dwindled over the years. He needs to get back into that, into his game, because that is one skill he still has at a very high level is catch and shoot three-point ability. So can he bring that back? And at least can he be the guy who serves the the high-end role player role on certain nights? Because we know Paul George can hit threes and cut to the basket. We know Kawhi Leonard can crash the boards, be board man gets paid and all that. We know those guys can do it. We know Russ can be the setup man. James Harden needs to prove that he can do the little things as well. It's on Harden to bring that back in his game. And I, I'm going to keep hammering that point all year because I know it's true. Well, and he's he's a pick-and-roll basketball player. That's what he does. And there's nobody to run a pick-and-roll with. Well, that's the other like, part of it. You're right. It's part of yeah. it is he doesn't have he doesn't have his screener to have great chemistry with his lob threat. But when the ball but we know like he can pass and and throw kickouts and all that. We know he can do that, and he will have moments to do that. But when the ball is in Kawhi's hands and the ball is in Paul George's hands, he needs to be ready to shoot off the catch. Like well, that's the crazy a thing pivot, was, it's a pivotal, it's a pivotal skill for this all to work. It is the most important skill, in my opinion, for them to share and actually coexist the way they they imagine it to happen. Yeah, and I just don't think that this is like a short term, like oh they'll get it figured out. Like I'm watching it yesterday and I'm thinking to myself, like I don't know how they get this figured out. Like. You would think with a collection of talent, you'd get a better shot. All mm-hmm. those guys, like all the shots they're taking now are harder shots. Like it looks like nothing is easy because yeah. it's just all so my turn, your turn. Like if there was a third or fourth pass on a possession, I would have passed out from shock. Well, well put it this way, right? Like I, I, how many times did I say to you in this whole drama before the trade, well, Harden's still one of the 30, 35 best players in the league. He hasn't been one of the best 50 nah, or 60 nah, no. since he got back, right? So it, it was assumed that he was still going to be the same quality that it was last year where he helped Joel Embiid to an MVP season, and he was a great playmaker. He still had some really good scoring nights. Harden was like top 30, top 35 last season, but right now he's like, I don't know. Like he, but he hasn't been one of the 100 best players yeah. in the league through through his uh, the small sample thus far, uh, and that like that more than anything else needs to improve for the Clippers. All right, we can kind of bounce back and forth because I I don't I don't want to just get overly negative for like a half an hour on the show. <laughs> Let's do a stock up, stock up okay. for sure. Maxi and the Sixers. I mean, they oh, got well, yeah. Look, that's the flip side of it for sure. <laughs> look, all right. So look, some of oh, uh, man. it was Gar- it was Garth Brooks 
who once said um, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And what an unanswered prayer. You think about (laughs) a sliding doors moment truly with the Sixers and how this we, 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 how many times do we talk about the guys and the, we say opportunity and fit and there's just no chance in the world. This is what the Tyrese Maxey story is. If Harden, you know, doesn't opt in and then signs a deal with the, with the 76ers, if the Sixers get a deal done with James Harden, going forward like if James Harden is still on the Sixers this never happens in this way it's just an impossibility and yet because of that moment and because James Harden is no longer part of this they have found this now what we thought could be a star is playing at a bonafide superstar level they lost their first game of the season on opening night by one point. They have not lost a game since. And in their most recent game, they got a 50 piece out of Maxi to go along with 37 for Embiid. So they they're simultaneously great. Attitudes great. Guys seem that uh, Nick Nurse's offense is working uh unbelievably. And Maxi this year is now, you know, one of the steps to even becoming even greater. Uh, than he was, was, okay, what happens when the usage gets higher? Well, one of them was going to be finishing in the paint. He's now finishing 60% of his shots in the paint. He's averaging 29 points, seven assists, five rebounds. He's also getting you a block and a steal, a block and a steal every game. And his turnover, uh, assist to turnover ratio is now like seven to one, which is a huge increase. Uh, the shooting splits 51 43 on eight a game, 43% from three and 93% from the line. I mean, these aren't like star numbers, Kevin. These are superstar numbers that have taken place from Maxi and, what a gift, because now in the absence of Harden, uh, this team has been great and they have opened up the doors and Maxi has just walked right through them and become this, like, really, like one of the biggest stars in the league, 12% of the way through the season. The 50-point game uh, is remarkable. In, in so many different ways, his ability to score from all levels of the floor. But the thing that is still most impressive to me this season from him is not the scoring on a higher volume with the efficiency. It's the high scoring and the high assists with the low turnovers. You throw out all those numbers. The other one out there is only 1.1 turnovers per game. 1.1 turnovers for, per game for a guy who's shooting over 20 times per game, logging over seven assists per game. The dude does not make mistakes out there. And this is somebody who entered the NBA as combo guard. He's an undersized two. Can he be a one? 
well, he sure looks like a guy who can be the one for the Sixers, especially with the way they're playing, sharing the ball, running more dribble handoffs with Embiid, which is one of the most potent ways of creating offense for Maxi with that two-man combination, running pick and rolls together. Maxi's not making mistakes out there on the floor. And so you I talk about his scoring. The passing is so much better. He's become very clearly the second best player on the Sixers behind Embiid. And so now when you look forward for this team, as good as they are, as well as the offense is being run, as great as the defense still is, for Daryl Morey and that Sixers front office, if they make a trade ahead of the deadline, it's about finding the third guy. Now, not a second guy. It's the third guy or a bunch of supportive high-end role players. So I think for the Sixers, I said to you before the Harden trade, you know, like they got to be patient finding the right deal because this is what's going to continue, make them into a championship contender or not. I think the response to that that I saw on social media was like, they're not on the same level as Boston or Milwaukee. Do you think now that it's clear that they are? Have we seen a big enough sample that they are on the same level? Because I believe that they are, uh, and I, I think they already are, even without a trade. I thought it was fascinating. I was watching the Celtics and the Knicks tonight. And Gorman and Scalabrini were talking, you know, the game had kind of gotten out of hand late in the game. And there's a game coming up against the 76ers. um, And they were both commenting that they they thought, especially with, you know, the kind of the mess that's been going on in Milwaukee thus far, they thought that the 76ers are the ones. And obviously the 76ers beat them earlier uh, this year, but that that was that was going to be the Celtics biggest competition in the East. And that was the Celtics announcer mm-hmm. saying that. Yeah, I, I think know? I think that could be very true because with the Bucks, there's still so many questions. There's Adrian Griffin yep. uh, with his system. The defense still looks like a mess, even if after they reverted back to some of the stuff from last year. Middleton's still in a minutes restriction. Lillard Brooke out. Lopez, Lillard out. Brooke Lopez without Drew Holiday fighting through screens in those pick and rolls has not been quite the same level defensive player individually. So there's a lot of questions there with their depth, with their star depth behind Giannis. Giannis, like even, I mean, as amazing as he still is, is still not, doesn't feel like without his supporting cast, able to reach the best player in the world level that we had seen in previous years when he actually had support. He's been turning it over a lot. Yeah, very sloppy at times. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, the only thing is 76ers, I mean, Look, thoughts with uh, Kelly Oubre, who we have lauded oh, and praised. And then that story it's comes awful. out about him getting hit by a car yesterday. I'm like, what in the hell? And a hit and run, too. It's disgusting. And the guy had been so great for the Sixers thus far. He was the guy that actually they used to guard Tatum in that mm-hmm. Celtics game, you know. But he had just been, he'd been playing the best basketball of his, his life uh, leading into this. And, uh just good vibes, certainly, with the 76ers. And, wow, you just never know the way this stuff's going to play out. But in the absence of Harden, Maxi has just turned into the star of all stars and, and better than anyone could have ever imagined, at least in the first nine games of the season. Cash in on balling out this NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So there's some money lines that I like on Tuesday night with the in-season tournament games back, including the Magic over the Nets, the Timberwolves over the Warriors. And those are two underdogs, so let's go with one favorite here. 
the Heat, who are very hot lately, over the Charlotte Hornets. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, including quick bets, live same-game parlays, the Parlay Hub, and even beyond the NBA, you can bet on football, hockey, and a bunch of other sports. So visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued with non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Stock down. Let's do Warriors. So they're on a three-game losing streak. They've lost four or five. And it's going to be fascinating to watch them play against the T-Wolves, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, They played them again. And I love these kind of setups because, as Steve Kerr said, this is more like playoff basketball, right? Instead of bouncing from team to team like you do so many times during the regular season, when you play a team uh, and then you play that team again in your next game, now you get to go and look at the tape and make adjustments and play that team again. And it does kind of mimic some of what we get to see when we get to the playoffs. So I'll be very fascinated to see how – the Warriors look and how they look different for the Tuesday game. But Kerr's comments also were about how there was no question that they needed some scoring and some playmaking elsewhere. So now we talk about everybody not named Curry. I have some crazy uh, stats for you, Kev. Um, Fire them away at me. Who okay. is about Wiggins? Green? No, 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 no. All right, so this year, there has been one player not named Stephen Curry that has scored 20 points in a basketball game. Oh, oh, oh. it's uh, Saric, right? On November 30 at 20. <laughs> and he's the only one on the Warriors that has had 20 besides Steph. He's the only one. That is something else, man. And this that was an e- this was an ESPN stats and info that I read in Ken- Kendra article, uh, Kendra Andrews article. This one is mind blowing. Okay, Saturday night was the fifth time in eleven games this season that Steph Curry has doubled his closest teammate in scoring. Hmm. That is more times than it happened. All of last season. Wow. Five times in 11 games, he has had more than double the next guy on his team. And then, you know, I mean, when you look into the... He just doesn't have have that, like, Clay's not that second scorer anymore. Well, look, your wings are, like, you got Clay, who's 43%, 35% from the field. Kaminga, 39% from the field. 18% 18% from three. Been off. Wiggins, 41% from the field. 15% from three. Needs another Chris break. Paul, 39% from the field. 16% from three. At least and it was like, still pass. Well, and it's like, Paul's going to run that second unit. They're bench scoring? Like, if you were just say like, oh, this bench scores a lot. Um, which they do. They score. I think they're like, fifth or sixth in the league, they are inefficient as hell. They are 24th in field goal percentage as a bench, and they are 25th in three-point percentage as a bench. 
So they do score, but that's because they play minutes. They don't score it at a at a at a good rate. And it's like Curry and everybody else, truly everybody else. And I mean, that Sarich thing is insane. How he's the only guy that's had 20, 20 points is not a lot to have in a game. There's gonna be no. 50 guys in the league that average 20 points a game. A, 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 a More lot, than a that, maybe. A lot of guys get 20. 20's not what it once was. No. Not, not at all. They've only had a guy <laughs> score 20 once that's not named. I mean, just. Yeah. And so I guess the question is, where where does it come from? I mean, Steve Kerr in that presser you're talking about was like asked specifically about Pajimski and Jackson Davis, their two rookies, their first and second round draft pick, about can these guys get minutes and Kerr's like, well, it's kind of hard with a 10-man rotation. And I like all the guys I play, he said. Yep, and I, I understand. That's cool. However, you, you, <laughs> you also st- have... They all stink so far. <laughs> y- yes, you, you also have Andrew Wiggins playing 10 minutes more than Moses Moody, who's been better than him. Not even arguable this season. Right. So at, w- at one point, do you say to Wiggins, well, I mean, you got to outperform Moody. It's still early on. I can understand Kerr sticking with the vets for now. But at the same time, Trace Jackson Davis has looked great defensively. He looks versatile. Offensively, he's already a very intelligent screener, great finisher at the basket. Pajimski looks like he's ready to energize on offense coming off the bench as a playmaker and as a scorer, as a connective piece. He looks like somebody that could fit like a Livingston X-esque role next to Stephen Curry, that type of deal. Moody looks like he's better than Wiggins. And Kaminga, I mean, like hopefully he figures it out, but maybe he won't ever. I just think if you're Kerr, at some point you've got to play some of these young guys and see if they can inject some energy into this rotation. Because, look, Clay Thompson's not the same guy anymore. He's just not. Clay's yeah, not a second a, scorer But I'll also say this. I'm also going to give Clay a little bit of a break, okay? And just that he's say, had cold streaks like this before? Yeah, no. Also, look, you trap or you run to or you, you try to shade over. Curry gets all this attention, right? And you face guard Clay, and there's nobody else. I understand. And part of it, part of it, is because Draymond is treated as a zero. They but he kicks of out. It, he does. Gotta, kick, he pa- he passes. But I'm just saying, like it, that is part of it. That is how their offense works. So, like Curry's at the top. I throw it to the uh, right. I throw it to the elbow to to Draymond. Or I throw it to the top of the key to Draymond. Draymond comes in, and then he kicks it out to somebody. And he doesn't kick it out to anybody that can make a shot. My point is, is for a guy who gets so many touches, it'd be nice if he were additionally a scoring threat. It would add a lot to their offense if he could provide that. The other thing is their their transition defense continues to just be horrendous. It was a problem for him last year, right? Mm -hmm. And So they got a couple problems. A, they can't shoot. B, they're small. And see, you know, that defense, which they've really been able to hang their hat on, not necessarily very potent either. So they got to, yeah. uh, they got some real figuring out to do. But um, look, you, they're always one that you, you give them the benefit of the doubt, right? It's Incredibly just, fair. It's sure, surely all these guys can't keep shooting under 40%. That's ridiculous. It's fair, but <laughs> I mean, but I said I said to you after the first game of the season, our first pod, 
I've said how it feels like the Warriors are too small to be on the same level as some of these other championship contenders. I've still felt that way through some of the good moments they've had this year. And now there's more reasons for concern with them with everything that we've been talking about here. You can't win small anymore if you're them. Like, not in that same way. Like, part of, you know, they could run you off the court by playing small with the Draymond thing, obviously. But, like, you got to have shooting. That's how they did it, right? It was these scoring tsunamis that would hit you uh, where it's like, okay, they're down by two, and you, you blinked, and they're up by 12. And you're like, what the F just happened? They just had a two-and-a-half point or two-and-a-half-minute stretch. But if Curry's the only one that makes any shots, unless he's the one dropping the 14-0 run on you, it's not happening. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know? One good thing with them, and I'm not, I'm not sure who it would be, but with those young guys we're talking about, and with their draft picks that they have, they are a team that's equipped to make changes. They could use the Wiggins salary and flip it at some mm-hmm. point. They have tradable contracts. They have tradable young players that would appeal to other teams. So that's the one thing for the Warriors to think about when it comes to the situation as is. Dunleavy in that front office could decide to shake things up, and that's what might be necessary to force Steve Kerr to make changes within the lineup. If he's not going to move a guy out of the rotation, you move the guy for him and force him into something else. So that that's what I would expect to happen if this if these lower low times continue for them. And it's just a bad week. You know, I and mean it, like a lot of these teams too. a lot of these teams have been bad, going through but, it. That but, but, like, but Wiggins Wiggins hasn't been good all year. He missed No, three the scoring last thing year. is a thing. It's, it's like, you know, this concern. The scoring yeah, thing is a thing. Like oh, who sure. is the other guy that is reliably going to be scoring? Yep. You know, we're talking about like how there's a lot of size with the best teams, one of which is those T-Wolves, the Wolves, and Anthony Edwards, who has another ascension into superstardom, it feels like. He's averaging 28, 6, and 5 on 48 uh, 49% from the field. Uh, the aforementioned Warriors is the last one that he did in, and he was matching curse words with Draymond Green, which is no small task. Um, 33-7-6 against the Warriors. They got the number one defense. They're 4-1 and one against winning teams. And most people, if they're picking the finals, you know, this 12%, whatever it is, through the season, it'd be Nuggets and Celtics. And they got wins over both of those within those four, right? So, They've got the best record against good teams thus far. Um, and the defense has been great. Obviously, Gobert and the big-time guards they've got uh, that can guard on the perimeter have done an unbelievable job of keeping people out of the paint. And then when they do get in the paint, they score at such a low rate. And teams have missed a million threes against them this year, which, will that's going to change a little bit. But... They do limit corner threes. And so if you limit corner threes and you protect the rim, that's all going to add up to you having the number one defense. And the biggest thing, uh, as opposed to years past, is they don't foul like they did. You know, they've done a very good job of being awesome defensively without putting teams on the line all the time. They were just an absolute foul fest 
in recent years. And that is just not the same. And so they have been super formidable. Man, you watch them and they are big. They've got a superstar level closer in Edwards now. And they've just got a lot of things that cause a lot of problems for opposing teams. Not the least of which is that just they feel it feels like overwhelming size. (laughs) Truly. And Cat's gotten going. Your boy. Last three games, he's he's been been really good. Yep. And and he's been good in his role defensively, too. You got to give Cat credit. He's playing the role well. It sure as hell is a lot better than it was at the start of last season, right? For sure. And, 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 And look, the numbers with him and Gobert on the court have not been nearly as clunky as they were no. last year. It's uh, they kind of it feels like they figured out. You know, it took a while, and they had a lot of injuries last year. Cat was out for the season, so they didn't get a lot of reps together. But there's clearly Edwards and everybody else. Well, the, well, the one name you didn't mention either was Mike Conley, your sure. former love love of the Grizzlies. Talk about a guy playing his role as the setup man. Hustling, playing hard as a smaller guard, as you know, best he can on defense and being the setup man on offense. He's he's done a good job with, with the role given to him. And I mean, I think for for Edwards, thank God Chris Paul didn't break his leg the other night barreling oh, into that, him. I know, that was I know. ridiculous. Uh, and the thing with Edwards is, like, as young as he is right now, it, it's it still feels like he's still not where he will be at some point. He's 22 years old. I know. I know. He's only 22. And the the thing about him, like I just pulled up his numbers on synergy sports. He's only in the 23rd percentile in scoring efficiency out of isolations. He's shooting 13 of 38 out of isolation so far this season, which is not good, but he's been good in everything else. So I think with him, like there's still room for him to grow, and it's such a small sample size at this point. But point being, as good as he is, as many boxes as he's checking, there's still more room for him to get even better as a player. This is similar to like three years ago, four years ago with Tatum, where he was mm-hmm. good at everything, but he was still inefficient in isolations. He's become a very efficient player out of ISOs. With Edwards, he's been more efficient past seasons. I'm sure he'll tick up. Um but it just speaks to how great he is right now, where he's an all-NBA guy without a doubt. And yet you're like, hmm, could he even reach a higher level by March and April towards the end of the season? And and that's what makes the Wolves so intriguing because perfect segue, I, I, Finch's comments after that Warriors game, he's like, you know, the, the trick for us is getting better while we are winning, right? Because he said there's, Tons of meat on the bone was the term that he used. And he said, you know, he's talking about that Warriors game and he just was not satisfied. He was like, we were out-rebounded. We turned it over. We didn't make easy offensive plays. He's like, there's just a lot of room for growth with this team. And obviously that's something you always want to preach if you're a coach, even if it's going well for your team as to, you know, fend off complacency, but also it's still in that team like, hey, we are nowhere near what we can be and get them still believing that, right? Like, hey, like, look at all these things we messed up. Now they still ran off a win a- against the Warriors, but him, you know, explaining to them, you know, hey, they're like, we can, we're, we're playing really well. We can be a lot better than what we are. And I actually believe him. Like, they can be pretty devastating when it all comes together. Uh, 
for sure. And if they uh, knock on wood, I'm sorry. if I, I'm not trying to jinx this. I want this to happen. If they win against the Warriors on Tuesday night, that will be a seven-game win streak that they will have. That is the longest win streak for Minnesota since 03-04 when they what? went to the Western Conference Finals. Wow. They have not had a seven-game win streak 20 in 20 years. years. 20 years? That's, a, that's a unbelievable, isn't it? Wow. Unbelievable. Man. 20 years since they've had a seven-game win streak. Man. <laughs> I, I, I was shot. Aren't they so, an easy team to root for as oh, well? And, and it's all and. I mean, I, like, well, he's just I mean, so likable. It's all in. Oh, no. But, Go Bears not likable and Towns well, isn't likable. <laughs> Conley come is. Conley well, come is, on. for sure. How can, Chris, how can you not respect oh, Go God, Bears defense, though? Come I, on. Th- th- there's a difference between respecting something and being likable. These, those guys are not likable. You don't, you, don't, you, you don't like watching him defend the rim? No, no one has ever bought a Go Bear jersey. I'd wear a Go Bear jersey. I know you would. If the T-Wolves send me a jersey signed by Rudy Gobert, I'll I'll, I'll hang it up there. Signed by Rudy Gobert. I'll I'll hang it up on my wall. If they send me a signed Rudy Gobert jersey, I'll I'll hang it up on my wall. To anybody with the Timberwolves, I'll hang it on my wall and (laughs) display it over my shoulder for you to look at. Minnesota, don't even <laughs> don't even think about doing this. I'm not Please. I'm, I, I'm not recording this pod every week if I gotta look at that every week. This is the only Christmas present I'm asking for, Santa. Please, Minnesota. <laughs> I don't ask for much. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right. Last stock down. Pelicans and Zion. Okay. It's five straight losses, um, and honestly, only the Houston game was close. The rest of them, they're just run out. They've been down by 18 points or more six times already this season. T-Wolves had them down by 30. Mavs had them down by 30. I mean, and I was run over by the Pelicans team account and 
by Pelicans fans and by their color commentator and by everybody <laughs> else for being the bozo that was saying, hey, I watched them. This chemistry's weird. And so they were hashtagging me weird chemistry and <laughs> Trey Murphy tweeted at us and Larry Nance and everybody else. And then last night, uh, one of the Pelicans fans said, hey, I think we all owe Chris Vernon an apology. It's an apology I'll probably wait for for the rest of my life. But when I say stuff and I watch a team and I see teams literally three times a week and I watch how they interact with each other and I notice something weird, I'm going to say it. It's not because I don't like your team. It's because I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And now Zion Williamson walks into a press conference and he says that he's trying his best to buy in and, you know, he's taking a back seat. And, you know, Jordan Hawkins, who had 31 against Denver, that's six more points than Zion scored in any game this year. And the Zion Ingram thing is a disaster, an absolute unmitigated disaster. All the Pelican fans that love to clip everything and take things out of context, you can take this one. With Zion and Ingram on the court, their offensive rating is 103. The worst team in the world is the Portland Trailblazers. Their offensive rating is 105. So the chemistry that I was told was the best in the league and what I was beaten down for and ridiculed by even the social media manager that I suppose did not have uh, anyone else to go after. Look, there's a Taylor Swift song called Karma, and I'm a fan of it. And it's a great track. Might apply. Might apply. Five straight losses. But the good thing is they've got Dallas, Denver, and the Wolves ahead. So things will probably get better quickly. <laughs> get off my nuts. And I was right. That's all. You said everything there is to say. Um, the, the only thing I'll add is this. Zion talks about trying to buy into the role. He probably wants to run more pick and roll and have more creation opportunities. That's probably what he wants. But here's the thing. Though. The only role he wants has butter on it. <laughs> did you watch it? Like, I know the quotes are going around everywhere. Did you see the did you see the press conference? Anybody can type in his name and watch it. Why is he so out of breath? <laughs> He's breathing like he just ran a sprint in the press conference. <sighs> I'm trying to buy in. You know, we had a team meeting. <sighs> I'm like, what in the heck is going on? The game's been over for an hour. Why is he? Is it from the steps? To get up to the podium? Well, as as someone trying to lose weight, I can understand the difficulties in avoiding good food in, in a great <laughs> food city. New Orleans po' boy, delicious. Um, the thing is, is, with him wanting, you know, a, a different type of role, this season, in the half court, the numbers just aren't anywhere near as what they were in the past. During the 21 season, the first year he made an all-star team, he was 61% at the rim in the half court. This season, he's down to 50%. He's not as explosive vertically. He's not bouncing off guys the same way he was before. And he also doesn't have the same burst off the dribble either. That same season in 2021, 
He shot 58% on isolations, 54% on post-ups, drew fouls on nearly a quarter of those possessions, according to Synergy. This season, he's down to 44% shooting out of isolations, 28% shooting out of post-ups. Free throw rate is more than half what it was before. So he might want more pick-and-roll chances and Willie Green's offense and all that, but with the opportunities he's been given, the areas he was very, very good in the past, He's been subpar. He's just not the same guy right now. Oh, and he's lazier than hell. If you saw that Dallas game, I mean, Grant Williams was just like running around him. It was just like it's some I indefensible know. stuff. It's like stock, stock is probably down more on Zion than anybody that we're talking oh, about here. He today. doesn't even get like he does. He doesn't even get defensive rebounds. Especially just, because, uh, remember, you know, preseason and training camp, they're like, oh, he took his health and conditioning more seriously this summer than any time ever before. Well, it doesn't look like it uh, physically, but also just the way he's performing well, on the court. And look, it's not close. Look, here's the thing. They need, uh, they're they're ravaged with injury. Alvarado would help a ton. Murphy Trey would help Murphy, a ton. Big time, yes. Uh, CJ, just having him there would help. I, I, look, they are Absolutely. ravaged. They're ravaged with injury. The problem is they weren't they weren't good with all their best guys either. Like the numbers with those guys, right? They've got this quote dynamic duo that doesn't work. It, and yes, it, exactly. Always, it, it comes down to them. It's the stars. That's, that's what it. it comes down to. And they and that was who I didn't even see them interacting with each other. Like they've got a weird deal, and it, it, the games just don't mesh. They're, a choice is going to yeah. have to be made. And you know I've always been an Ingram guy since pre-draft. He's shooting 21% from three this year. He's passing up open shot opportunities from three to take contested mid-range jumpers. The decision-making has been very poor. He had a he had a possession the other night where he dribbled the ball for like 18 seconds, didn't make a single pass, just hoisted up a contested mid-range jumper. Not a single pass. Not a single pass through the whole possession. And that I think Ingram's play has just been ugly to watch as well. And that duo does not seem like it's going to work. How long are we until Zion starts doing the, he becomes the next guy to say, I, I mean, want, you know, d- mid December. CAA guy now, right? Like, I mean, yeah, mid, mid, mid December, if it doesn't get better by then, when, once it's trade season, then sure. That the issue is, is we just had a summer where teams were like, eh, about the possibility of trading for Zion. So, like, who, who is the team that would actually step up for him? I guess that's a discussion for another day. Uh, we'll see how this continues for New Orleans, but I, I'm I'm definitely worried. I, I'm bored. Would you take uh, Randall and stuff? I, I don't know. If I'm that's his desired destination? I don't know. I mean, to me, like, I, I think... He was actually really good in New Orleans, and I think the fans like him there. <laughs> if, I, if I'm training for Zion, I'd probably want to be... I'm not saying I wouldn't trade for him if I'm the Knicks, but if I'm trading for Zion, I'd prefer to be a younger team that can afford to to miss. Mm. Like, if if you're the Spurs, right? You bring him in and have him in a front court with Wemby. That type of thing, where it's like, if Zion gets hurt and doesn't work out, okay, whatever. We still have a lot of time and a lot of years ahead to build the right roster around him. I'd, like, if a team like the Blazers wanted to go after him, like, like that, that to me is 
Char- the Charlotte types of the world, Chicago blowing it up and having Zion come in. Like that's those are the teams that make it's, sense to me look, more than it's just, the playoffs. And, and the only reason we're talking about this, look, we're, like I am always, I want the guys to stay in the small markets. I want them to thrive in the small markets. The reason we're bringing this up is because the guy went into a press conference and said, "I'm trying to buy in. I'm trying." It's, it's like, fair game right. after those. Like, comments. yeah, you're putting totally- out. You're putting out right there your level of discontent, you know, on the, your plight. What's going Especially on? Especially the tone of voice that he said it. Yeah. Not just because he was huffing and puffing, but like just like he genuinely. Really genuinely was. Why was he so out of breath? I don't know. But like besides that, like just he genuinely, like Zion is a very easy to read guy like when you i interviewed him last year he's a genuine kid like he's true yep. to himself uh like i i like you can tell when he feels a certain way about a question or whatever like you can tell he's emotional and and he's kind of bought in he's sensitive about it he doesn't work as hard as he should but he's sensitive about it he clearly clearly doesn't feel good about the situation right now like the feelings that you saw on that podium are very real all right and last uh stock up the Houston Rockets. Speaking of win streaks, I got a six Way gamer. up. Rocketing up. 34-point drubbing of the Lakers. Wire to wire. Beat the Nuggets. Um, and earlier, we talked about, God, what a blessing from heaven it was for Maxie to get the opportunity uh, because of something that did not take place with James Harden. You cannot watch the Rockets. And I heard my buddy Tim McMahon mention this. Um, and not think about how sometimes, like we were saying earlier, some of some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Brooke Lopez left him at the altar. They thought they were getting Brooke Lopez. That was a rumor for six months. And then it came down to free agency, and then Brooke ended up resigning with Milwaukee and staying with Giannis. But Houston, everybody at Houston, they everybody knew they wanted him, and everybody knew that that's probably what was going to happen in the off season and you think about that happening and getting left at the altar and the Shen Goon thing doesn't happen in the same way. It just doesn't. If they go and they spent that money and they get Brooke Lopez, if Brooke Lopez signs that dotted line with the Rockets. You're not getting this Shen Goon explosion, which has been 19 points a game, eight rebounds, six assists. And their defense has been good now. I mean, it's by far the biggest improvement in the NBA from last year. Part of that is they they just strangle you out in transition. You don't get any buckets. I think Denver had 11 transition buckets the other night. And so they make it a hard game for you. They make you run a play to score. And Udoka... Uh, has done a good job. They've got Van Vliet, who's doing exactly what you envision Van Vliet doing, which is be able to settle that thing down and run that team. Um, Dylan Brooks has been fantastic for them. If I told you I could not resent that more, it's true. <laughs> I mean, look, the other night, their game, he took six shots in the game. When I tell you on my local show. There wasn't a day that went by, I would say, either make more or shoot less. That's he all shoot, I ask. He, and now he's doing both. That's all less, I more. ask. That's all I ask. That's all. That's all I ask. You you, you could be an amazing role player. Sh- make more or shoot less. And 
it's everything I always wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. And it's happening in Houston, and it drives me crazy. He took six shots the other night in their last win. Do you know how many times he took six shots with the Grizzlies? It happened three times <laughs> last season. The year before, it happened one time. The oh my year, goodness. hey, the year before, it happened no times. In three seasons, he took that amount else. of shots four times. <laughs> On a team that oh. had John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jared Jackson Jr. He had a wake-up call clearly this offseason to, oh. to adapt to this role, to, to shoot less and oh. make more. He, like His shot selection has been really great. He's a great I mean, role player. He yes. always could have been a great role player. <laughs> what the hell? He, he's figured it it's out. It's the and most he, annoying thing in the world. He has always been stellar defensively. Always. Always. Super impactful. Like, there's no doubt. Like, anytime you're that great defensively, like, I joked this offseason, like, I wouldn't want him on the minimum. Of course, you take any player as great as he is to a minimum contract. I wonder if the Rockets had some type of intel that Dylan Brooks is ready to accept the lesser role and play smarter basketball. I wonder, like, to give him the contract that they did, because right now it looks completely reasonable. Maybe it just was never going to happen. If you're the elder statesman and you're the guy, you know, it'd be kind of like anybody. Let's say you're the guy, you were employee number one at the company, right? You could do... You can do it your way. You've been there the longest, and you're I the, get right? this. And then you, you say, go. I, you say this all the time, and I get it. But at the same time, and then you, you go to a new role, job. But then but you, you go gotta, to a new job, and it's like, okay, I got to fit in here. Sure, sure. I do I mean, think I, that there's. I think there could be something to that, but at the same time, like he's also going to realize that at his old job, other guys surpassed him, which is what made it so frustrating with him in Memphis. That's what was so. The endlessly annoying watching him with the Grizzlies where he just yeah. didn't get that. So yeah, maybe that is an element to it for Dylan Brooks specifically. Um, and I'm glad he I'm glad he does get it because it's turning into great team basketball by oh. the Rockets. Their defense, like with guys like Jay Sean Tate coming off the bench, Tari Eason, very good. Jeff Green was great the other night. Shen Goon has been really rock solid defensively. That's been the weakness for him in past years. We always knew that dude could could pass and play make and rebound and all that. But defensively, he's been very good protecting the basket on top of everything else. I'll tell you this, my producer, uh, John Roser, uh, who is the, he calls the Memphis Hustle Games. They played the Rio Grande Valley Vipers over the weekend. And I mean, the the text he was sending me, he's like, oh my God, Cam Whitmore. Yeah. He played two games over the weekend. I mean, big time in both. Whitmore is just like a different caliber of athlete. Mm-hmm. Than, than what's there on regular occasion and special, spe- like he's a spe- he's a possible special talent too. And so I, uh, I don't think this Rockets thing is like a early season swoon. I think they're good. <laughs> I do. I think they're yeah. good. I don't think it's just. Uh, I think that Ime's got them playing. They there's a lot of things they do that I think can be replicated, and I think there's a reasonable chance they're like a a big surprise team this year. They got good players. They got good players and they play hard and they defend that they've got kind of like a edge to them now. Well, that's comes from Odoka, comes from Brooks, Van Vliet, all those guys. But of those, you say they're not a fluke. I agree with you. 
of the t- teams in the West right now, Denver's the one seed, Dallas is the two, and then Minnesota, Houston, OKC. That's your top five, followed mm-hmm. by more of these teams that have been there, the Warriors, Lakers, Kings, Suns, and then Pelicans are currently the 10. Of those three big surprises, Minnesota, Houston, and I, I mean, OKC is not really a big surprise, but they're a younger team. Of those three teams, Minnesota, Houston, OKC, do you think all of those three stay in the top six with a guaranteed playoff spot? Two of the three? One of the three? I'd say Minnesota's a for sure thing. They're the only for them. sure thing. And then of Houston and OKC, they're kind of on that yeah. bubble for, for a guaranteed spot with the top six. That's right. I, I just think there's going to be, look, I do not think, look, you think about this, and you guys were goofing. There's only 14 teams in the league that have winning records right now. And, like, you think about how miserable and how much we've goofed, uh, and you guys have goofed on me about the the Memphis season. They're, like, three games out of, like, the sixth seed. Like, this thing, like, it's not that everybody's so good, and so it's going to take a ton of wins to have a good seed. It's that they're all going to beat each other up. Throughout this season. And there's going to be like, there's going to be a bunch of teams hovering a couple games over 500 at the end of this. You know, I don't know what the number is that's going to be able to get you into the play in, but it's not going to be that high because I do think that there's, you know, you see these weeks and look, if we would, we did these pods like early and it was like, wow, look, the Warriors look awesome. And now the Warriors look like crap. And I think it's going to be like that all year. Like we could do a pod in a week, and Houston's like, oh, man, that maybe that was a flash in the pan. You know, they went and then they played the, you know, because I, I actually would be despondent if I were them right now. It's like they got this huge win streak going on. They beat Charlotte. They beat Sac. They beat the Lakers. They beat New Orleans. Then they got that win against Denver. And that was yesterday. And now they're off until... Friggin' Friday. I know. This is not the time you want to have, and then you're going to come back Friday, and you're at Clippers, at Lakers, at Golden State, Memphis, Denver. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I I do think that, uh, again, they're not going to be bad, is what I'm saying. They're going to be good, and they're going to be in the mix. And they'll be able to, they're gonna, they'll have good weeks, and they'll have bad weeks. I, and... I don't think most of these teams are going to be going on super long win streaks or winning nine out of 10 on regular occasion. It might happen here and there. But I, when you were talking about those teams, Minnesota is 100% a top four seed, my opinion. The other two, they're in the mix with kind of everybody else. But Minnesota, I've seen enough. They're going to be, they're going to be one of the home court advantage teams to me might have the best record in the West. It's possible. We talked about that when we did the, our game last week, briefly, if you want to do any other stock up, stock down, I mean, we covered so many of them. I mean, yeah. obviously the, the Lakers thing and seeing them without Davis, they couldn't defend you. I, I think it's, I think it's somewhere like the, like the lesser known players, like the Jalen Johnson types. Oh yeah. Atlanta guys like that, who are getting new roles. The, the guys who have stunk in the past, but, now are playing pretty well, a Killian Hayes type. Like, oh, God. Both- are you kidding me? 
No, I'm not killing you. Did you not see like... that meme that was going around yesterday with him and Kay Cunningham? They were calling them the Ass Brothers. The opposite of the, the Splash Brothers, the Ass Brothers. I, di- I didn't see the meme, but oh, I mean, God. It's, it's not fair to kill him. Yes, it is. No, the Ass not. Brothers. It's not fair at all to him. Over his last six games, he's averaging 15 points, 39% cool. from three, 5.7 assists to only 0.5 turnovers per game, and playing good individual defense on top of that. I'm talking about like it, those are the, the stock ups, the stock downs where it's some of these kind of lesser known players. Like Jalen Johnson, he's got a role in Quinn Snyder's offense, and he's been absolutely sensational for them. He was awesome fans. at Summer League two years ago and yeah, then just but na- did not play at all last year. Exactly. And and now he's having games where he's dropping 20 points. Yep. And he's got the ball in his hands. He's crashing the boards. He's averaging eight rebounds per game, three assists per game, 14 points per game. Jalen Johnson has been absolutely outstanding for the Hawks. And, well, and, and on the flip side, in terms of guys that have been playing uh, the uh, – the you mentioned OKC, they got some figuring out to do on the Giddy thing. Giddy's the trade piece. Simple as that. It's He's a, the trade they got piece. Some, they just got some figuring out to do because of the the Gilgis Alexander numbers without Giddy on the court. You know the team is has been really good, and like for whatever reason, they they got to trade Giddy for a big. They have a big next to Chet Holmgren in the front court. Wow, man, and, I don't want to. Do. You want to trade him? Yeah, I trade Giddy. Trade Giddy. I, I like Giddy a lot. It's Man, nothing I think against him. In a heartbeat. I love Giddy. It's nothing against Giddy individually as a player. Sounds like it's just it. about no. It's not. It's about the greater good of the team and probably the greater good for his own career too. It's not a great fit for him. Hmm. It's year three, Chris. That contract is coming up very, very soon for Giddy. I think you could. I think you could really regret moving him. I do. I think you Maybe see not. this through. Yeah, I don't think you pull the trigger on that. I maybe think you, you don't. Maybe you, you try don't to regret figure it. it out first because that kid is a talent, man. I love. I him. don't know. I don't know. I don't think the fit's great, and I worry about the jumper. Hmm. He had a great stretch last season where he's he shot like, like twenty. I know he's just a kid. I worry about the jumper. Oh, I love him. Me too. Well, Me geez. too. And sometimes you to win championships, you got to move pieces that you love for pieces that make more sense for you. And then you fall in love with those pieces too. And then the cycle begins. And then someday you got to trade those pieces and get new pieces. That's what team building is. And I I think with Giddy, he's a great, great young player who's going to have a long, successful career. But it might not be in Oklahoma City. Mm, mm, mm. All right. I'd take him in a minute. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's why OKC, if they did make him available, could probably get something really, really, really good in return that makes more sense next to SGA, Chet, and J Dub. Zion Williamson. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh Kevin is always a pleasure. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And Kev, I'll talk to you next week. I'm very much looking forward to it, man. Actually, not next week. It's this Friday we'll be talking. Yeah, that's what I meant. (laughs) See you Friday.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800- 9 with it in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call one 877 8 hope ny or text hope ny in new york